0: Podcast, and we are going to do another season review for you. We're going to look at a couple of seasons really, and we're going to reflect on the first two seasons at the Stadium of Light. So that's 1997 98 and 1998 99. Thanks to Lee Howie for joining us to um, review the previous season, which was the last season at Broker Park, but he was sold this summer, so it's no good having him back on as a guest to talk about that. He went <laughs> off to Burnley with uh, Chris Waddle, who I remember being good about Leaving, but he went off to manage Burnley, didn't he? Player manager. And he took Lee Harry with him. Lee Harvey says he was pissed and got persuaded to go to Burnley. So there you go. Um, joining us to talk about this tonight, who have got over go. Gareth Barker. Hello, Gareth. All right. Hello, Craig Clark. Hiya, Stephen. Richard. Stephen. Hi Stephen. I'm Brooke. Hi Stephen. Hello. Hello, yeah, thanks. And last but certainly not least, Kevin Phillips, former Summer Fight Striker, is joining us. To talk about uh, these seasons, you okay, Kevin? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Well, like I said, we'll try to go over um, some stuff. Some people might have already listened to the foundation uh, YouTube they put out the other day, but we'll have a good old chat and see where it takes us. So, um, jumping straight into this, you I know you guys have been doing the Premier Passion Review podcast, which has been very good. Make sure you check them out. When you before you came to Sunderland, not um, so you have been at Sunderland when this was on, Kevin, and the Premier Passions. Series. Yeah, you you've been playing by this point. Did the players uh, watch
1: it? I, I,
0: I seen, yeah, the first
1: one when it was at Rokan. No, I wasn't. I think I just signed when they were doing the second bit. I, it's that long ago. I can't really remember. I can't remember mm. what I did last week.
0: That alone back then. <laughs> 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 Let alone the, yeah, <laughs> what you watched on terrestrial TV 20 years ago. Right. Um, Okay, lads, just I mean, where were people in their lives at this point? This was a big, <coughs> symbolic year, summer for Sunderland, um, leaving local Park, got in the stain of light. It was a year I left school, that's why I always remember this summer as the best summer of my life, to be honest. And <laughs> I, I, mixed, I missed the Ajax game because I was in Ibiza, um, which I remember being a little bit gutted about, but you know, <laughs> not going to complain too much about being in Ibiza here. Are you, You're just a bit younger than me, aren't you? So you're still in at school? I was at oh,
2: that, so sure, yeah,
0: definitely
2: yeah. still at <laughs> school. I think I was thirteen or fourteen. Like I, I, what I remember is the day, the day before the Ajax game. Um, we still hadn't had our tickets delivered, so it was like a load of people who didn't get the tickets for the game. So we all had to go and queue up at the at the the academy, not the academy, sorry, the Black Cats house even, and uh, like, there was loads of people there, loads of people there um and we were just standing there like and it was an absolute it was just a mess so remember being late the straight got back it was on my birthday and we, i stood in the queue for four hours on the on the, the night before to try and get me tickets for the ajax game because they hadn't put like i think they had like they hadn't even put the stickers on the the numbers on the seats and i mean even like in the season we had season tickets but well, our season tickets hadn't arrived and we had to go to like what was the visit centre to pick our tickets up for the game before every game for the first like five games of the season or something because, they're like knocked up the ticket in that much. Yeah.
0: Not like Sunderland have bad admin, is
3: it? <laughs> I was I was taking part in the uh, the opening ceremony, so I was I was in the stadium like two two three days before it actually opened, um, uh, doing choreography on the pitch with um with with, with the with a view to be dancing with status quo when, uh, when they arrived. I mean, uh, this is an uh, insight. I wasn't expecting it here. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing? You were, uh, you were dancing, Richard? Yeah, yeah. Our school was, um, was asked <laughs> to take part in the, the opening ceremony. So um, it was like a boot camp for about three weeks before before the stadium opens. We were, we were training on an all-weather pitch at school, doing like, choreography. Um, we had to burst onto the pitch when Ready to Go was played for the first wow. time. I um, heard I've this story Lebanon before? Is cool. No, you've kept this oh, one quiet, well, haven't you? Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> extraordinary. Like, the, the, there's very little pictorial evidence exists of it. Unfortunately,
4: which but, was fully filmed. But yeah, wait. Richard's idea of the whole yeah, thing. Well,
3: <clears throat> I think we do pop up on uh, on the new print, like the the update, Trump, Premier print, like the, the yeah, premier impressions. Yeah, there's a there's a, I'll, I, you'll probably see me at, like at the back of a shot because. Um, and I uh, tried to avoid the camera well, but when, um, when, when status quo came down by helicopter I was like the second row in and I had to pretend to play guitar with a foam finger you know the foam <laughs> fingers that were popular in the 1990s they were very popular in
4: Middlesbrough yeah. they? they loved them
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but when, when the game actually kicked off we had to go into a marquee just out, outside the stadium and uh, we all gathered round a radio which was like attached to a to a pole in the marquee, just to listen to the game. We didn't see it all get kicked at all. Um, <laughs> wow. So it, I'm sure it was a great occasion, but I only, only ever saw the, like the highlights of that game like a, a couple of months ago. Wow. I had no well, had no wow. recollection of, of, of what happened. Incredible. I, I, I remember. We are, are grown. Up. grown
0: up. <laughs> we are grown ups now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stories about when we were kids. Just, just about. Values, about I, never I never went to that. that I never I went to, to that game. I
4: was. I don't know <laughs> why. We, me, me and my dad and that didn't go. I can't, can't explain why we didn't bother, but went to every game after in the league, so that I suppose that was what counted like.
2: I was in the Premier yeah, Contour, I think- because because of that, no, we tickets up, we got tickets in the Premier Contour, so we were up in there, and that was my first experience of the of the uh, Stadium of Light. Anyway, carry on. Right. <laughs> I, I think, think Kevin can um, probably offer a little bit more insight in what it was like than we can. I mean, we've heard enough about well, Richard. Did thing, he dance the status quo? Yeah, I think the status quo
4: might actually top everything. I've, uh, <laughs> uh, listen, I've,
1: down, I've danced the status quo quite a bit over the years when I've had <laughs> <three years>. a <laughs> uh, remember drinks. Listening to your stories, then you, you have really made me feel old. So in the eighty, when my life started, so. Now you're right. It was, um, for me, you know, one of the biggest things, the biggest attraction, the biggest buzzes of, of my time, well, obviously when I joined Sunland, was the chance of playing in that amazing stadium. Uh, and, and, of course, we trained there during the week to get a feel for, the, for, the, for what it was going to be like. And, and the actual evening, you know, it was amazing. You know, it was virtually a sellout, the noise, the atmosphere. And, of course, when status quo flew in, all the lads were in the tunnel watching. And you could feel the atmosphere building. And it, and it, was, it was just an incredible, incredible evening. And, uh, you know, for me to be able to pull on that shirt and go and get a taste of what was to come was, was quite remarkable. Um, I, the only real memory I remember of the night was I, I, I think I only played for about an hour. And I went in and had an early shower. And I was the only one in the shower room. And I put my leg up on the pipe to wash my leg. And because the stadium was still new, it wasn't completely finished. The pipe come off the wall. Oh. And it absolutely <laughs> started flooding the changing room. And I was oh, so, I didn't know wow. what to do. I was so nervous. I didn't you know what to say. Anyway, I put, put a towel around me. I ran outside and I found a maintenance guy. But by the time we went back in to have a look at it, the water was coming into the dressing room. So my recollection that night, I nearly ruined <laughs> the first-team dressing room on the first first
4: appearance at the stadium of
0: my life but it was a remarkable night to be honest incredible I mean it's well documented Kevin that you nearly went to Ipswich uh, before Sunderland we will really mm-hmm. not do the story of being in, in the car again but what, what was Sunderland to you so growing up liking football what, 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 what did Sunderland mean to you as a person obviously from somebody outside the area um, I, I have to be honest
1: you know I didn't pay particular attention to you know, clubs that far north. You know, being a being brought up near London and, and a lot of time in London, uh, following Arsenal as a young kid. You know, when you're growing up, all I ever wanted to do was be a footballer. So I, I, would, I would spend most of my time in the street kicking the <coughs> ball around, playing with my mates. Not particularly watching football a lot on TV. So I never took a real interest in in any northern teams. If I was being totally honest, it was only really till I started. My professional career at Watford, you start analysing then the clubs you're going to come up against. And, you know, you, you know that the story of when I first travelled up north with Watford, it's, you know, I've said it so many times over the years, it was an eye opener for me. Um, so then it was really, it was only really then that it really sunk in, you know, how passionate I, that my first appearance at Roker, how passionate, and Ayrson Park as well, when I played there, how passionate, the, you know, the Northeast supporters were. I got a real good feel for it then. But as a kid,
0: not a lot, if I'm being honest. And did did you care about who was already at the club? Did Peter Lee tell you what what he wanted from you, like I'm thinking the relationship with Nile Quinn, or did that was that something that you know you just thought I'll say what it's like when I get there, or was it a factor in your decision?
1: No, nothing like that was mentioned. Uh, it was probably only two or three players I'd heard of at Sunderland: of Quinney, Lee Clark, uh, Kevin Ball. <coughs> you know, there wasn't too many players that I'd, I'd heard of. Um, it wasn't a factor in in me signing. I think Peter Reed didn't really give me a chance to speak. He was literally, you're going <laughs> to sign. <laughs> um, I think the, the attraction for me was, of course, knowing that you just come out of the Premier League, you're moving to a brand new stadium. I got a taste of the passion of the supporters, you know, when I played at Roker Park. So, you know, and, it, and I think it was for me in my personal life, I'd lost my dad not too long before and I felt like I needed to move away to start a new life. We were due our first child. So everything just fell into place. So no, actually, there was nothing spoke about how I was going to fit into Peter Reed's side or what system or who I was playing with. It was literally, Reedy was desperate to sign me. And, and it, it, it literally only took about an hour to agree the contract and get it signed, which is unusual.
0: I mean, before we, we talk about the Man City game, um, which was, was the first league game at the stadium of late, like, Okay, it's interesting because I mentioned I was in the beef there, um and I was in Ibiza the for the first game of the season when we played Sheffield United away and I remember being really excited and stuff. And It's interesting how we, we consume news now and it comes straight through and you couldn't back then. But yet, news had still got to me. I remember knowing that you were suspended for the game and I remember the fume that Peter Reid had been one up front that day. I don't know if people can remember that, but it was a massive thing where we'd been the whole season before playing one up front and the fans didn't like it, and we got beat quite comfortably that game, and it was a, a little bit of deja vu. Wasn't it wasn't a good into a new season. It's not what we wanted at all, to start. Because people remember that game? Well, oh, you're too young. Maybe me and Kevin...
2: Sheffield United yeah. game. I remember i yeah. well, it was on Sky, wasn't it? When we obviously lost 2-0. Yeah. It was like a complete... Well... We were so crap, not we? Well, yeah. I mean, it yeah. was just one of those where you're like, you, you coming down, and there is obviously that renewed that renewed excitement isn't it when you like the new season starts and you you know you've got that optimism and obviously when you we knew I had the the game the week after to come But yeah but it was it was just a flat performance and you know the only thing i remember about that is i got the gold away kit and uh that, like the debut of that, that gold away kit and people talking about how horrible it was.
4: So. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> kind of grown on me over the years, actually. I like, I like it now that I look back on it. I didn't like it <laughs> never,
3: never liked it. I think it
1: didn't help in, in, our, in our preparation for that game. Uh, obviously, I didn't tell Peter Reid that I was suspended until the Thursday, I think, <laughs> or the Wednesday before the game. So, you know, we did preparation. I, I completely forgot that I was suspended. It was only my agent that told me. So I had to be probably the most nervous I'd ever been in front of Peter Reid. I had to go and tell him I was suspended. But we'd already done some teamwork with two up front for the game. I think that was probably one of the reasons why Reedy opted for the one striker to go with that game. And then you knew I was ready for the Man City game afterwards. So you can blame me for the Sheffield United game.
4: <laughs> because Reedy has done many times. <laughs> It's yeah. funny because like, it must have been between the Sheffield United game and the Man City game. My sister <clears> used to, I mean, my dad and my sister used to go to all the reserve games and she saw you with Chris Byrne. I don't know who we were playing in the reserves, but you must have been there spectating. And obviously you would have been an unknown quantity because you didn't play in the Sheffield United game. Obviously you hadn't made your debut against Man City yet. And uh, she always regrets, I think, not coming over and like, getting an autograph and stuff. Cause <laughs> I suppose it wasn't <laughs> long before you couldn't go and watch reserve games. Uh, Because you would have probably got marked. No, you're right. It
1: was, um, yeah, of course. You know, when I signed, I played 60 minutes in the Ajax game. I don't remember playing particularly well, but I read a few, you know, articles saying that, you know, this lad looked lively. Uh, A few of the sports saying, "Who is he? You know, where is he?" Blah blah blah. So, (laughs) you know, there wasn't the pressure on me really to, to to perform. I put pressure on myself as I always did, um, but. You know, I, I was gutted, of course, to miss a Sheffield United game, but I couldn't wait to, to show everyone what I was about. You know, in in the Man City game, and you know, it turned out to be a crazy. I think it was on the Friday night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Friday awesome. night. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. yeah it's an amazing, amazing night, and to and to get the goal, you know, to get me off from running was a massive, you know, massive boost for me. So, but you're right, yeah. You know, I think after the first probably two or three months, you're right, I probably. Wasn't hours ago to, go to the reserve games because, you know, I probably wouldn't have been able to watch the game. Let's put it that way. No, I
4: don't
1: think so.
0: That, Lee Clark was the was the was the name sign in that summer, wasn't he? Um, Gareth's just mentioned. Or no, Craig's just mentioned Chris Burn there. Yeah, right. he's an interesting right. one, Kevin, because he, he was brilliant that game from memory, and everybody right. was thinking, "Oh my God, who's this? Who's this guy we've got here?" And then did he go and hold the post of us up? Or well, <laughs> I think
1: that was a while later, wasn't it? <laughs> I I shared that as with Chris. We we stayed in the Washington. Uh, I think it was the Moat House in Washington, and uh, where the golf course is. And lovely kid, but you could tell. You know, he had his issue, his off-field issues. Yeah, you're right. You know, he, he was a great foot. Had a wonderful left foot. Um, but you know, he had his issues off the pitch. And you know, I think that one particular night. I, I think the undercover police were been in our hotel for a couple of days, and and he got pulled out of I think it was the Oxford game on a a yeah. midweek match where yeah. he was due to play, but we had to pull him out of the game because he had these issues. He was involved in stuff he wasn't shouldn't shouldn't have been, and it was a shame because he was um he was a good player, Uh but unfortunately. You know, if you've got issues like he did off the pitch, it can affect you on it. And you know, unfortunately, it never really happened for Chris. But you're right. You know, in that game, he was excellent, a real, real good
0: player. It's a very eloquent way of saying he was a wrong one, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> I think I think i you to say that. <laughs> and how how will that game be in your just go down in your memory, Kevin? Obviously, you scored with six minutes left. After it looked like we were going to draw the game, which I don't know what the fun mood would have been like. <laughs> it would have been a massive, anti climax if we had managed to win that game.
1: Yeah, I think it it would have, and you're right, you know, it was a, it, I remember it, it was a foggy, misty night, uh, you know, Man City are a good side, and you're right, it looked like it was going to be a stalemate, a wonderful draw, and I, I was desperate to get on the score sheet, and I think I, it was just being in the right place at the right time, With it, with it, I wouldn't say it was a tapping but, you know, with Ball, I think the keeper saved it from, from Kevin Ball, and I was on hand to just smash it in the net, and I just remember running over to that far left-hand corner and, and diving on my front, And uh, I kind of quickly realized literally about a week after, you know, what the area was like, how passionate, because I went to, to the dentist to get my teeth done. And as I walked into the reception, there was a picture of me on the wall scoring that goal as I ran off into the corner and you could see my teeth. And it said on the pit underneath, and you can have teeth like this as well. And it, I thought it's a picture of me just scoring a cup. I didn't think my teeth were that nice. But uh, I just thought within days, you know, there's a picture of me on the dentist. And I just thought it was just, you know, I've got a sense then that, you know, something truly, you know, unbelievable was unfolding pretty quickly.
0: And is that a real thing, Kevin? Because we hear about it all the time. Players don't come up here and then just, they just don't realise it's 24-7 here and, and the scale of the interest.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's because it's, you know, you're either red or white, black or white. You know, within because I lived in the Durham area, and and it's predominantly Newcastle or Sunderland. So you know, no matter where you, you know, where I live now in the Birmingham area, you can disappear in Birmingham, and and you know, people, a lot of people are not bothered about football, but up there they live, breathe, you know, the game, as as you guys well know. Uh, so it was, you know, it was it was becoming. I'd say impossible to go out as time went on, but you just had to be careful where you went and what you was doing and what you were saying to people even back then. So, yeah, you don't realise until you live in the area and play for one of those clubs how passionate, you know, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch these supporters are.
0: It was a stuttering start, wasn't it? Uh, the stadium wasn't full initially. and uh, Peter Riga had hadn't really brought in that attacking style yet and we're going to go on to the famous... The famous red game in October. They're not just <laughs> talking the about it, but the, but the thing is, well, we've got we've got Kevin e A here to talk about it. It's a great, he's got a great story about this as well. Um, look at the team for this game then. So, uh, Label present goal. Full-backs, Chris Megan and Martin Scott. Centre halves Richard o andy Melville. Uh, midfield Lee Clark and Darren Williams. Uh, Kevin Ball Martin Smith, and then Mickey Gray and... John Mullins playing, so I'm not sure what's going on. He played Martin Smith up front for a bit, didn't he? So I think Mullins Smith out front, and that, that's that's the team. Kevin and Alex Ray and our uh, mate Chris Byrne uh, are on the bench. I was we often drop YouTube uh, video of this, but I couldn't find any footage of this game whatsoever. I did find I did find um, a match report though, from a, a Reading newspaper which just says, Luckless Sunderland were destroyed by a Reading side, which hit top form in front of that biggest crowd of the season. That's about 10,000, by the way. Um, so, basically, Carlos Alba scored two. Um, Darren Williams got, got sent off. No, he got two. Darren Williams got sent off. I can't remember that, to be honest. Um, but this was... Before we go on about what happened next, Kevin, you, you, you remember this game, don't you, clearly?
1: Yeah, I think, of course, you know, I remember it. And not so much, of course. The game, you know, it was a, it was a poor performance. It, you know, it was a, it was a crap performance, as as you as you well know. Um, you know, we we got to bear the full passion and front and expletives of Peter Reed in the dressing room afterwards. Not just him, but Bobby Saxon as well. And it was, you know, it wasn't pretty. Uh, but I, you know, my abiding memory of that is I think I did. I came on in that game, didn't I? I think I scored. Yes. I, scored yes. A goal yes. And I, I we came in the dressing room afterwards and really laid into everyone. And when he got to me, I was thinking, what's he going to say to me? You know, I'm, I'm in for it now. But he didn't. He, he actually praised me and said some nice things, saying, This lad had only been on the pitch for so long. He ran around. He did more in the time he was on the pitch than any you did in the whole time you're on the pitch. And I was, of course, you like to hear things like that, but I was embarrassed um, for, for, for what he was actually saying. But I suppose the biggest memory was the walk from the dressing room back onto the coach after the game, because we could hear the supporters had gathered outside, and Elm Road, the dressing rooms were pretty much on the main road, literally, the the wall was there, the the road, uh, sorry, the the paving, and then the the coach was there waiting for us. And you could hear the supporters, there was about 100, 200 of them had gathered, and you could hear them singing, uh, you're not fit to wear this shirt, all sorts of stuff. So it got to the point where we had to get on the bus. There was no, you know, no ifs or buts. So we made a dart for it. The lads are like covering their head, running onto the pit, uh, onto the bus. Supporters were throwing their season tickets. They were throwing shirts <coughs> in there. Anyway, we eventually eventually get onto the bus. And John Cook I'm running on and, and in the dressing room before he said I'll be alright I don't know who I am so anyway he gets on the bus as well and, and he gets a season ticket book chucked at his head <laughs> so he gets on the bus and we was all laughing at him and he said the cheeky gits he said all I heard from one of them was and when you play for Sunderland you were crap as well <laughs> 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 <He was> like, <laughs> the old, although it was like a, a, obviously an abysmal we were all down but that absolutely made everyone just burst out laughing and I think we realised that it was unacceptable an performance, and uh, you know that couldn't happen again. And and Reedy really obviously had to ring ring the changes as well.
0: He well, he did that. I mean, this and it's not an exaggeration for people who, who weren't around at that time or can't remember clearly at that time. The fans wanted him gone at this game. That's the it's the only time I can remember during Peter Reid's spell. Even later on when he eventually did get sacked, where I think the majority of Sunderland fans wanted him to leave. He was. Really, really up against it, wasn't he? Did he, did he sense that, Kevin,
1: as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, but really he's a fighter, you know. He he, it's like a water off a ducks back to him. Although you know, it hurt him. It hurt all of us. Um, so we we were determined as a squad, and I think that was one of the biggest attributes we had as a squad. Then was our team spirit. Um, you know, our togetherness. That we ain't gonna. You know, we're not gonna let the manager take the foot. You know, the brunt of this. We we hold our hands up. We accept responsibility. But ultimately, we got to do something about it. Of course, the manager has to as well. So, yeah, he was very low. But no, it really being Reedy, really, you know, he kept on going. And, you know, just showed the class and the man. He turns it around. And, you know, well, it ends up nearly being, as we all know, an unforgettable season.
0: I mean, just fast forward a few games by the time he's managed to really change things. And I mentioned that we discussed a Rock the last season at Royal Park. We were a very defensive team. Um, you know, very worked very hard and he sort of continued that on. It just didn't seem to fit with the brand new stadium and the, and the optimism people had. And I just remember the team I've just read out there, and then the difference in this one. So, this one's just a few weeks later where we win 4 1 at Portsmouth. And you've got Lion Perez in goal, Darren Holloway, and Mickey Gray fullback. So, he's moved Mickey Gray back to fullback. Uh, Jodie Craddock and Darren Williams so two young lads in an an entirely new second half partnership Lee Clark and Alex Ray in centre midfield and then um, Martin Smith and Alan Johnson are on the wing and then Niall Quinn and Kevin Phillips up front Nicky Summerby made his debut come on and scored was there a conscious effort to change things Kevin how did that because the transformation is remarkable I mean just look at the personnel there and then suddenly we had this team that just piled forward when they got the ball
1: yeah I think yeah I think you know reading I think he realised that you know he had to of course change it I think he had to be a more attacking a bit more flair and I think moving Mickey Gray back to fullback and putting Alan Johnson in front of him you know I thought the, the relationship that them two built over the season was, was incredible you know Mickey just loved to bomb on overlap and cross the ball John, I used to love coming inside and, and playing one-twos uh, and I think when when Nicky Summerbee broke into the side, he just gave us that different dimension as well in terms of the crossing with me and you know obviously with Big Nile in the box, um, you know, the amount of goals we scored with, with with Nicky on the right hand side, and he had the ability not he could cross the ball without taking people on. He had that ability to do that. And I think in the I think Darren Holiday, you know the young back four. It was a young back four, wasn't it? You know enthusiastic, Jody Craddock, great lad. You know we signed together. Um, turned out to be a real good player, uh, and I think the two in the midfield, you know, for me, Lee Clark's Lee Clark, we know how good he was, but Alex Ray for me was like an unsung hero. He didn't get the credit he fully deserved. I thought he was a brilliant player, left foot, right foot, give us that steel, you know, that that uh, that tackle, uh, that aggression, um, and I think the balance of the side looked really good. Uh, and of course, you know, me and me and Noel just hit it off, and it, it and it and it just grew and grew and grew and you know, teams would find it very difficult to play against us.
0: The, the, the spirit in the dressing room must help, Kevin, because you are a big mate as well, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. In certainly, in my first four seasons there, I think that was one of the biggest things that Peter Reed and Bobby Saxton tried to create. You know, certainly from my experience in any promotion winning team or challenging, you need to create an atmosphere, a team spirit that. That carries you through through the good times and the bad times. And we certainly had that we, we socialised an awful lot off the pitch. Because you could then you could get away with things that you, you certainly couldn't get away with today. But we did it within the within lim- the limits and, and really give us a bit of leeway. And you know, at times he'd come out with us and he'd be the ringleader and it and it just worked. But we we totally respected him and I think that was one of the biggest things we showed him so much respect and he showed us respect as well so yeah the team spirit you know got us through certainly the first four seasons
0: where, where were your favourite places to go Kevin? where did you go? Durham? for a night out?
1: yeah yeah and funny enough we used to go out to Newcastle <laughs> but never you know what in six years I was there I went out in Sunderland twice just because you know what what, what you were saying earlier you know as time went on I just couldn't go out and that. Because you just (laughs) you couldn't get to the bar without getting stopped and talking about football. At least in Newcastle, (laughs) someone's trying to hit you
4: so you can't (laughs) me about the way. (laughs) Funny, yeah. Generally Durham, uh, which was pretty mixed. It was a good place at the time. I think uh, I saw you in like Life O'Reilly in Sunderland last season or the season before, and I mean nothing's changed really. I've never seen one person just literally have to turn into someone else's armpit to get a photo, like a selfie. It was like a selfie parade, constant, yeah. like spinning around for about 10 minutes. It was like, so, I mean, obviously the selfie thing wouldn't have been a thing so much in the late 90s, but same kind of crap really, isn't it? It's still yeah. 20 years later, you still can't can't just have a pint in Sunderland.
1: Well, it just shows you how passionate you, you people are up there. You know, you just love your, your, your idols and people that did well for you. And, <clears> and you know, you always give someone who's played for the club when they go back, they've done well, you always give them a good reception. And that's the way it should be. So yeah, they're very passionate. And like you say, I come back quite a bit. It's just it's still it still feels the same as when I, when it was twenty years ago. It's just it's quite remarkable.
0: Strong division that year, Kevin, as well, wasn't it? Forrest and Burra. I mean Burr's had Paul Nurton in the in the summer and he he played for England in the World Cup that summer, so top yeah. top players, and there they were two strong teams, weren't they?
1: Yeah, two yeah, two teams that we were you know battling against throughout the whole season, and uh, you know I remember having some big battles. I remember we went down to Forest, and I remember I think I scored a, a goal with Quinny crossed it over, and I hit it with my volume, my right foot, and we we had the whole end down there, and it was just you know the support we used to take to away games was you know I've never seen anything like it. It was just incredible, uh, and the noise, and so you're right, you know. We had some big battles against those two sides, and of course, Middlesbrough being the rivals. I remember playing them. I'm not sure if it was that season, but we played them in the cup when the, we had all our windows on the bus smashed um, going back to to Sunderland. It was just just showed you how intense the rivalry was. We just,
2: couldn't, yeah, we just that, couldn't beat. We just couldn't beat Middlesbrough that season. No, we couldn't. I think we played them in the league. Cup. Did we play them in the league cup as well? I think we lost. Yeah. Andy yeah, Campbell, yeah. I think, scored for them. And, yeah. And. Uh, and then we obviously we had that big game towards the end of the season as well, didn't? We? With the uh, I remember there was a beam back at the stadium light, um, and I think we lost a game. I think maybe three. It was right? February three, three one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Three one.
3: Marco Branca.
2: Yeah. So it, it was uh it was just one of them where obviously we had that great result against Forest. Um, but that Michigan, came. Quick. That uh, came. Forest result came a couple of weeks after. Yeah. yeah. But it was we had that we had that uh you know that like you say it was just a strong league and we had we had the opportunity at times where we'd left ourselves with so much to do uh in order to to get in that top two and then when it came to the crunch obviously we sort of tore and beat them both really. Um but I remember we, we I think Forrest didn't start Brilliantly, I can't remember. I'm sure you scored in that game against Forest. I think in the in the home game where we drew one all, Kevin. I think after really early on. Was
1: it? Was
2: it a header? Yeah, it was like a header, like in yeah. the bottom corner. I think. I think. Um, I think Al will think scored for them.
0: I got hit by a brick in my back off from
2: a Forest fan after the What's next
0: I just remember it, all the Forest fans ran to the wall just and started throwing things, and a brick whacked off my back. I was sixteen or something. I
2: remember the fire alarm going off at that game at the stadium. Fire alarm. I just remember the fact that right near the end there was like. I think big, you didn't yeah. set that off when you brought the pipe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a big fire alarm, and the uh, uh, right, right, right near the end of the game it was like like ninetieth minute or something. And the fire alarm went off. It's so weird. It's weird memory yeah
0: it is sitting so there talking to Kevin Phillips with fire alarms going off
2: well then, uh, not them. I was just you know I was, I was just uh, you know what, what, what can you add I can't remember I can't remember I can't
0: remember it's, can't remember. it's a bit weird uh, Craig it's Craig dropped out again his Wi-Fi is gone. he said he's coming back he's sexy all right uh, Kevin on. did you did you so during this a couple of quick questions a couple of questions for you here during this run when did you start to believe you know that we could do it because we didn't start off great it was like mid-february i think before we got up the third place. um and then um i've totally forgotten was... <laughs> oh yeah and the second question was when did you um start to think about that that goal scoring record
1: um i, I think the goal scoring record i never it was only probably late on you know, right towards the end of the season when, when you know, it started getting mentioned about the Brian Clough uh, post-war record that it could be broken. But, you know, I, I, was, I was pretty much in the zone. I never, you know, at most of that time, I never even knew how many goals I was on because I was just couldn't wait. Games were coming thick and fast, so I was just concentrating on the game. It was only towards the end of that part of the season. I think from, from terms of... You know, going up automatically. We knew, like you said earlier, it, we'd have to produce something special to topple those two: Forest, Middlesbrough. Of course, United were in and around it. Charlton, um, you know, good teams. It, it. We always believed we could do it, but I think deep down, you know, we were we were of that team spirit again that we didn't get too carried away with ourselves above ourselves or get too far ahead of ourselves because that's when things can go wrong. We just try to stay level headed and and of course over the course of the season you're going to have ups and downs and unfortunately you know we just couldn't get the results when when we needed them. So you know we, we there were times where when we'd won a match we thought we can go on and win this but I never really never really had that never really had that feeling that we would go up automatically if I, if I'm being really honest.
0: It's interesting seeing that, though, Kevin, because I'm just looking at the league positions now, and from late March until we lose at Ipswich, which was second last game of the season, we are in second place, and then we had a couple of a couple of uh, wobbles in the road. Uh, obviously, the Ipswich game we lost, but QPR at home. Oh, was a Good Friday, that one was it. When we were two 0 up, and we, we still, still have two-two.
2: nightmares about that. Uh, that. Uh, Chris Makin back pass, and Mike <laughs> yeah. Sheeran uh, scored twice. That was uh, no, uh, I, I say, Sorry, Kevin No, you're
1: yeah. right, I'm Just you're right. You know, of course, the, the league position suggests that we should, you know, probably be getting carried away and thinking we can go up. But I just, I just felt that, you know, at that time we were still a, a very young team. Uh, you know, we see young players um, and I just think that we, we weren't allowed really to get too carried away of ourselves. So, I, you know, it was only my personal opinion. Other players might say different, but I just mm-hmm. felt that, you know, we, we would do well here to, to continue this momentum and, and go up automatically, especially with the sides. You know, the experience, like you said, with the Merson at Middlesbrough, um, you know, with the experience they had, That that would have been my only reservation.
0: Yeah, no, they were two really good teams and Forrest had Forest had uh, Van Hoydong and Kevin Campbell Boydunk, we, yeah. which is not a bad strength for us for for that level, is it? Uh look at our QBR team that night. Neil Ruddick and Vinny Jones are both on the side for for QPR. Really?
2: Yeah. <laughs> which you ah. can't remember Jones. Can just... yeah, yeah, Vinnie Jones so...
0: yeah. yeah. And he go out so... kept, kept <laughs> with it. They away sponsored by Classic FM. <laughs>
2: Yeah. No, classic
0: FM was much younger,
2: uh, much earlier than
3: that region. I think uh, it'd be quite funny to see Neil Ruddock and uh, Vinnie Jones wearing classic FM. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Completely. Mm. But uh, yeah. that—that—I that, um, I think that, I know what Kevin's saying about the. Like, it's interesting to hear. Like Kevin say, they weren't were sure about you know whether they would you know get in the top two. But I remember the the Portsmouth game was there. Like when Alan Johnson scored um, late on, like a really good goal, where he the the textbook Johnston goal, really, where he cut inside and bend it into the into the far corner. Um, and I think we'd <clears throat> we'd try to chuck it away, like a few minutes earlier. I think. Like I think we had a bit of a defensive mix up, and Paul Hall scored for Portsmouth. But after that, I remember because it was a late winner. I just remember after that game, it felt as though this is you know, this is it. I did, that was a game where I thought we were definitely going to go up.
0: I, I thought that it, when we beat Tranmere at Preton Park in April, 2-0, because Tranmere always beat us, always beat us and I remember thinking, oh, last night that curse has been lifted but, um, Ipswich game was on the sky as well, wasn't it? It was, it nothing, was yeah. Might have Alex, we have we might
2: have Alex Matthews scored who was a former yeah. mag, obviously, so that was, uh, that was, that uh, was, but that it did feel as though it was a bit of a last... It was weird, because it, it, we kind of knew. It felt as if like switch game we're like, well, we win this. We're in poor position. Because um, if uh, we had Swindon on the last day, didn't we? And um, Middlesbrough, I can't, they had to be thumped whoever they had on the last yeah, day. they had to the lose, didn't
1: they?
2: I think so, yeah, after we drew that game. we yeah. um, just you, got a nice one at Swindon, can not you? Fantastic goal, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I think, you know, when people ask me, your best London goals, they all make me think I'll say the Newcastle, the, the Chelsea goal, yeah. and a couple of others. But for me, that goal at Swindon was probably one in my top five at least because it's one of those goals where I had visions of what I wanted to do and, and actually to pull it off. It doesn't happen very often. So, you know, for the chest and the volley over the top, but it, just, it, it was just it just, everything just happens the way I envisioned it and it was one of the sweetest goals I scored for Sunderland, to be honest. It was, it was, it was incredible. And I, I remember that night, I think it was afternoon, whenever it was, we were, we were praying. I think we deep down, we knew that Middlesbrough wouldn't lose at home. We still had to do the job and, and the Sunderland fans went down in their thousands. I think they had about two and a half sides of the ground. It was just incredible. Um, we won the game comfortable, but we knew that Middlesbrough wouldn't lose the game.
0: Yeah, I I seem to remember that as a fan because I went down there as well and I think it was a party atmosphere. But people were always thinking, yeah, yeah, we haven't we haven't done enough here. So the playoffs. I mean, what was the reaction like after that? Not that disappointment because you kind of expected it. Have yeah, you I think we really kind, of kind of prepared it? for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I think you know going even traveling to the Swindon game, we knew that it was probably going to be the playoffs. So you know we we'd accepted that. Um So. You know, then it was just, of course, you knowing who you're going to be playing. Of course, it was Sheffield United. Um, and I think we were just delighted that we got, you know, we were away first. So, you know, from my experience in a playoffs, you always like to play the second leg at home. And, and we, all, we just felt confident knowing that if we could get them back to the stadium of light, you know, having maybe drawn the game, of course we'd like to win it. We we would save every chance of winning the game. and You know, for me, the atmosphere at the stadium of light in that second leg was one of the best i I've witnessed at the stadium in my whole time there, so it was um, two tough matches. But I think the best team came out on top in the end.
0: Yeah, and what was did Peter Reid have to do a lot between those two games because you lost the first leg two one. Yeah.
1: No, not really. It, it, Reidy Reedie was Reedy's really, Reedie. You know, he he knows what to say at the right time. Um, he, he was. You know, there wasn't a lot we could do in between the game because they came round so quick. It was pretty much, we know we're good enough to turn this round. You know, we've got the players to do it. We just need everyone to perform on the night. And so it was not so much getting on top of us. It was more, of us, you know, getting behind us, which we needed. And, and of course, the support was getting behind us on the night. It was just, you know, an incredible atmosphere. And, to, you know, to get the winning goal was just, you know, as I say, one of the best nights that, that I'd experienced at the stadium. Yeah, and I don't think I that's exaggerated when people
0: say that, because if somebody was to ask me to...
2: List my top three, arguably, atmospheres in the stadium like that will be one.
0: Were you there,
2: lads? I didn't go. Oh, Gav, oh. man. Well, forget him. Get, right, get well, well, <laughs> well, do you know what? Well, I, that that season, my first season ticket, and I've had a season ticket ever since um, to, when we moved into the stadium. Um, and I don't think. You're we're not think you are going to stay up at a school night or something. No, no, it? We, we couldn't. Afford... <laughs> yeah, I think it was basically the case that we couldn't afford to go to both if we got the final. Ah right. It was the case of going like, well, we had to pick, so we had to gamble and either say, well, we're gonna get to the playoff final and go to the playoff final, or we go to the the semi final. So obviously, we gambled on going to the, <clears> the final. Um, and everyone says it's like one of the best uh, best nights ever at the stadium, and I didn't yeah. go was so
0: now now i know you weren't there i've just promoted it to my favorite ever
4: atmosphere I do, I laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been the best night of my entire life <laughs> well
2: i think that says more about you than me craig
3: i, I didn't go to the game because i was on work experience at the uh the the cinderland echo and i remember it had to be up really early so i, I didn't want to risk it <laughs> so, i mean
4: fair enough Garth, financials fair enough I, I can't. I can I probably this. couldn't afford it either. Uh, no, like, uh, money's
0: it? we will do another podcast for this. Well, I want a year in Richard's life at this point. <laughs> I know. From how I'm, I'm scared as <laughs> to working at the Echo on work experience. It's just not the not missing the, out
2: on all the time. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. All went downhill after that, to be honest. When we got the um, <laughs> when we got, the, um,
2: when we got the, the final, I remember like the obviously queuing for the tickets. Yeah,
4: <clears throat> like
2: uh, he had to queue for hours to well, get. Right? The
4: People
2: yeah, can't to, get, yeah. to get the ticket for the final. Um, if you had a season
4: ticket, you were you were guaranteed a ticket.
2: We well, right? were, you were, I think, but you still had the queue. I you know.
4: So I didn't, I didn't have a season ticket. I used to go with this like the kids club thing, and you used to meet at uh, the ticket office before the game and take you in and everything. But it meant I wouldn't have got a ticket for the final. But for some reason, my sister had three season tickets for the same season. So we just used like a voucher for each one. <laughs> so I would go. she locked at the centre of replacement or something and then she had this other random one that the centre. I have no idea what. A more great admin. <laughs> <that> was, <laughs> yeah. So basically... Just a bit of light I, I for about <laughs> like five games and your sister had
2: three. She was swimming so, in them, yeah. Aye, right. as well. She she you know, know, it was fair all the reserve games
4: yeah. she was going to. So, you fair play, yeah. She's the the sister with fair play. Uh, yeah, I I it, I've, um, I've listened go. to um,
0: Alan Curvishly do a couple of podcasts recently where he was talking about the the playoff game which of course we all know what, what, what happened in that and I'm not having what what he was hitting at here Kevin was that Charlton had finished that season really really well I think they won like eight in a row or something to finish the season and he was almost suggesting that Sunderland underestimated them going in but I'm not having that from Peter Reid no,
1: no chance. No, we. we Peter Reed really wouldn't let us do that. You know, there's no way we'd underestimate any team. I think we finished two points above them in the end, I think in the table, three points, something like that. So, yeah, it was close, but we never underestimated them at all. You know, that had nothing to do with the result. Of course, we all we all know, you know, what happens uh, with the result. And, 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 and obviously Michael, but no, you, we played them twice. We knew what they were all about. We did our homework, we did our teamwork. So we were prepared. But believe me, you know, a, a one-off game at Wembley, you can prepare all you like. We had a young team. Uh, you know, i would never played at, at Wembley. You know, it's an experience for me. You know, a lot of the other players had never played there. You know, the only one I think was Niall. Niall scored for the Republic of Ireland, I think, there against England. So he played for Arsenal a couple of times there before. So I think, he, and I think Lee Clark might have played there so, yeah, to, to suggest that, no, that never, that that would never happen with a Peter Lee. I never saw it in the whole time I played under him. I never
0: underestimated anyone. What, what's what, what what's going on for you, Mike? There's so many things for you, that week-league so you play played at Wembley for the first time, which must be the dream of every kid playing football. There's a chance to take some of the Premier League. Um, there's the goal-scoring thing again. There's, there's a lot going on for you. Yeah, I think
1: it was just... I couldn't. When when we when that whistle went in the second leg of the playoff, you know, it was just elation. You know, emotions come out. You know, we, we we got a second crack at it. Of course, we didn't go up automatically. Then you get you think you've got another crack at it. So I couldn't wait to play in that game. But we had to wait ten days, and I came off in that game. I think shuffling out with with a dead leg. or I got a dead leg in that game, and I couldn't train a lot before the game. I think I only trained about three days before. So I hadn't done a lot of work, um, but you're right, you know, there was a lot of pressure, not just on me, but on the whole team. Um, from a personal point of view, yeah, you're right, you know, to play at Wembley was just inc- It was my dream as a kid, <clears throat> and I think more so, my sister played there about three years before in a in a women's game, and she never let me forget that she played at Wembley before me, So, <laughs> but she never scored, so I was desperate to score, of course, to... to to get one back on earth and, of course, to beat Brian Clough off record and to try and, you know, I was dreaming about scoring a winning goal to take Sunderland to the, to the Premier League. And, uh, and now for a while, it looked like it was going to happen, but, you know, I, I could never envision it was going to turn out the way it did. So it, it was a remarkable game, but a very, very upsetting, disappointing game.
2: I mean, what's that like, though? I mean, obviously the end was horrific, but in the game itself, to score that goal, I mean, what what was that like to score that goal? Because I, I remember when we got the equaliser just after half the time, I remember Pete was still celebrating in that end when, when we kicked off. It, it, it was just that because I think we were so poor in that first half. And I think everyone was just like, I remember going into the, um, the concourse at half time and there's just old guy behind him just going it's just like Norwich it's just like it's just like, <laughs> like listen all the finals have been in it's just like Swindon but he was like he was a lot more colourful language I remember it all <laughs> and we went in come come back out half time scored straight away. <clears throat> I remember the elation when that goal went in and then we scored again not after, long after but and I, what I always remember about that goal is ball you need to get you in the first time and the, the the defender blocks it, and everyone goes like ooh, and then he heads it, and you're in. I mean, what's yeah. what's going like obviously our end as well. So what's going through your mind in that moment <laughs> when you are through through on goal, and then you're at Wembley. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean maybe I'm overplaying it. I don't know because no, no, maybe it's instinctive. But yeah, it's funny actually
1: because I, I I I watched the game back full the other day. They showed the whole game on Sky. It was last week. And I don't think I've ever really sat down and watched the whole game, but I did. And, and you're right, you know, we were poor in the first half. I never really got a sniff at all of goal. And I was, you know, I was thinking, is my chance going to come? And, you know, when Kevin Ball headed it over the top, and, and I instinctively, at first I thought, am I onside, am I offside? But, you know, play to the whistle, as we tell everyone. And, and I just remember, you know, I could read the bounce of the ball. I knew that I could, I have to take this first time because I knew Sasser was on his way out. And I, my first thought was, I'm going to lift it over him, but now I thought, he's such a tall guy, it's going to have to be, you know, perfect. And I have to say, as soon as it left my foot, I was praying that it didn't take a, a spin bounce and go, you know, hit the post or, or miss the goal completely. And, you know, as soon as I see the bounce and it hit the back of the net, I was just, my first thought was great, scored. I broke the. Do I remember? I don't kind of know whether I actually thought I broke the record. I just thought I have put us in front. You know, is this going to be the goal that will take us to the Premier League? And and running over to our support, the noise again was just you know incredible. If you're in you're in amongst it. You would know it was it was just amazing. And my, my I think you see when everyone got off me and I put my two hands to my head. Yeah. That was my celebration of I broke Brian Coff's records and hopefully that could be the winning goal. So it was. It was fantastic, but then to have to come off after 63 minutes, I think it was, and then watch that game unfold, not being able to do anything about it, was was tough. Very, very, very tough to, to, to see that happen.
2: To Ditchy, your chance. <laughs> after that <laughs> yeah. one. Which is a, that was right in that cup where you came to celebrate. That's where we were. Yeah, um, it was. You could run the senior Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the way. That's the
3: way. When it's gone. Yeah. 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 He's heard. This is for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But it was like. I mean, it was. I still remember like so <laughs> off, a ridiculous game, like the the whole thing, and to lose it the way it did, like just. It, I remember again the the blow behind, and when Mickey Gray missed a penalty, he he was just went off. We lost, and like I turned around, yeah. and like, my, dad, my dad was like. A, you know just off, uh, off I've gone he's gone so I mean like my step-man would follow them out and uh I mean it was
4: horrible I
2: mean
0: it's strange that it the little still. things you can remember and I can remember when he missed <clears throat> just I will never forget the first thing I saw was Mark Bright who I think it was it must have been a sub for Charlton or player for Charlton no, he played. did he score yeah he, he started no he's no, I don't think he scored, but he, he, he played. But yeah. I just remember him kicking the ball yeah. up.
3: He's no, Mendonca scored. I Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I just remember him kicking the ball up in the air and celebrating. It's just a strange memory I've got that he was just, well, because he was in my eye
4: line. You and always have weird, weird memories of these things, don't you? Mine are <clears> bad memories. I didn't want to watch when Mick Gay was taking it, then being in tears because we'd lost. And hearing that, and just being really annoyed that they'd been promoted and were playing red, red, Robert. I just thought it was so, like, lame. And then Walking on Sunshine came on as we were leaving the ground. And going home, Forest, Forest fans had put this massive banner like, hanging over this bridge over one of the roads we were going up, saying, like, oh, well done, Charlton, joining Forest and Burrow in the Premier League, and that. Uh, the game itself feels like a massive blur to me, but these, like, so sort of, that was my first and only time at that version of Wembley as well. And uh, also the... It was just like a horrible old place and like rivers no, as if you going down right. the steps.
2: It just a like dreadful, dreadful right? Well I remember I dropped we got a program and I, I had it at my top. And I went to the toilet, forgot, dropped it. When it, <sighs> it was like two inches of piss on the floor. But like, it well, cost well, a fortune, right? So yeah, the whole time
4: quid them programs, yeah. right?
2: So I was like, I didn't want to get wrong off my dad, so I cleaned it. Oh, it no, and, then and, I tires or and then,
4: and
2: then as we were walking up the steps, as we literally as we were coming up the up the, uh, the steps, walked in, and um, Rufus scored. Literally, as we walked in, and this, sort of missed the goal. Just heard them celebrating. <children. throat> so it was a, not a very good five minutes for me as a human being. That, nah, uh, very good. Well.
0: I mean, with Talk, Gareth, <laughs> a covered yeah, on, Richard. program. Yeah, yeah. What was the I, what was?
3: I wasn't there myself. Yeah. I
0: mean, we're you talking about our experiences as fans, Kevin and how We've had a few of some of the fans, but it was crushing. That it was really, really crushing, and I imagine the dressing room would have been like a mob as well.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, you know, by the time you got back to the dressing room, I think I certainly left the pitch. I didn't want to see. Charlton getting, you know, as much as should have showed respect, but I didn't want to see it them being handed the, you know, the, the trophy. So I, I made my way down to the, the tunnel and the change rooms pretty quick. And we all started coming in in dribs and drabs. Um, and, and as you can imagine, there was tears, there was a bit of anger, people throwing <clears> boots. Um, but the time everyone got in the dressing room, there was a silence. And even Reedy and Bobby Saxon. And, then, and the coaching staff, everyone who was in there, it was dead quiet. And then all of a sudden, you know, Reedy says his little bit about the game, and it goes quiet again. And then 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 Quinny stands up, and he just went. And I always remember it. He just said look, what we're going to do. He said we can sit, we can mope, we can let it ruin our summer, we can cry about it. He said, I said, he said, what well, we need to get, do all that now. He said, as soon as we leave it, leave here this afternoon. We get on the bus we have a good drink tonight, we enjoy the evening, and then we never mention it again. And now I mean, when we come back for pre-season, it's not mentioned. And by the time he'd finished that, I think the lads started talking and, you know, I think that that speech from Big Nile was just inspired us to, one, enjoy the evening, two, try and enjoy your summer, but three, when we reported back for pre-season, nothing was mentioned at the player final. We were focused and determined to, Push on again, because Quinnie said we'll win the we'll win the league next season, and we all we all thought, yeah, that's small talk. But when we started thinking about it, and with the, the additions that the Gaffer made, <coughs> you know, it turned out to be you know a, a, an incredible season, and we won it at Canter really, didn't we? We absolutely dominated the league, and uh, did,
0: as crazy as did you, anybody, like, uh, my... sorry, no, go on, sorry.
1: No, I was just going to say, it's crazy, and I've said it before. I I, I, I actually personally, in my opinion didn't think the timing was the time was right for us to go up. Of course we'd have loved to go up and I would never have, you know, not wanted to go up at that time. But when I sit and reflect, I think another season of us young squad together with couple with the experience that we had, the new signs, the experience and, and playing together for another season really stood us in good stead for when we got promoted to the Premier League as as you well know when we finished seventh twice. So I, I actually got going up as much as it hurt us. Probably set us in good stead for the next season and the following two after that. Did
0: anybody say anything to Lionel Perez? No, no mean.
1: no one. Bl- there, was no, there wasn't no, there was a blame game. No one said anything to anyone. Did you feel like that? No, <laughs> no one was saying. The only time I, you know, I've seen Lionel Perez grab hold of a comedian by the throat when we've had a, 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 a Players Awards evening when he said something about his wife jokingly. Lionel grabbed him by the throat. In front of everyone, so no, wow. no one was going to mess with Lionel Perez. He was, he was a, uh, he was mad, but uh, um, it wasn't the time for blame game. You know, it, 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 we could have quite easily come in and, and ripped into to Michael Gray, but no one would do that. You know, he, he no. had the bottom to get up and do it. You know, I think Lionel Perez pulled off some great saves during the season to help us get to where we were. So it wasn't the blame game; it was more getting behind people.
0: And apparently, Barley always tells us. The best ever night out on the way back that
1: anyone's ever had. Oh yeah, and we used to have quite, you know, very good nights on the way back from games. That was that was one of the biggest things that I couldn't believe as, you know, when I first went there. We used to stop at uh, Bobby Saxton's local pub where he lived near Sheffield. We used to go to this. I always remember the first time we, we pulled up in this what fifty-two seat a coach outside this little rural country pub. And you could see the people looking out thinking, what the hell is a bus doing here? And then to see a football team get off the bus and go in and have a couple of pints and play pool, <laughs> on the way back from a game was just it was just incredible. But yeah, I think we stopped on the way back and had a drink, but we ran out of beer on the bus. And by the time we got back to the northeast, I think the game was pretty quickly forgotten about. And um, yeah, it was it was a, it was a, it was a good night, bizarrely enough.
4: Hi, this is Darren Williams, and you're listening to the Wise Men Say podcast
2: that lockdown is easing somewhat for some of us um, we're delighted to see that from the terraces is back open and trading and that means the code at WMS10 is still valid over at fromtheterraces.co.uk so make sure you head over there um, and get yourself some lovely new cargo shorts that they've been uh, pitching there so I don't know if you can run in cargo shorts if you're doing some running for your daily exercise or whatever but give it a try uh, because you probably won't be able to wear them at the football um, so, as I say, get yourself over to fromtheterraces.co.uk, and you can get ten percent off your entire basket using the code WMS10. Um, and remember to follow them on social media. Find them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter at, at @terracesfrom. They're also on Instagram. So get over there, use the code WMS10, and get ten percent off your basket. <laughs> How quickly were you
0: all set on on taking Nile's advice and really making sure that you got off to a fly that season? Was it a, was it a particular was a pre-season work particularly harder? I think it was just the
1: I think the uh, <clears throat> you know actually not mentioning it. Um, I think you know the just the atmosphere around the place that we were very conscious that we wanted to create a real positive atmosphere. Uh, you know, the manager did, the players, the senior players, um, you know, we, we I think we, we couldn't wait for the season to start. Um, I think we started against Portsmouth, I think I scored a penalty at home in the first, no, Ipswich it was, wasn't it, Ipswich, in the first. Yeah. and it wasn't a particularly great game, I think we won the game 1-0 and that, that got us off to a flyer and, you know, got us, got by that time come, the, the game at Wembley was completely and utterly forgotten about.
0: Yeah, it proved to be 2-0 at their place, um, John Mullen scored after 12 and then you scored after 36 and John Mullen had come in to replace Lee Clark in midfield hadn't he and played really well there because he'd just been a big part player before that.
1: Did he? I, I, I don't remember that to be honest, um, yeah John John on this day he was a good player um, but I, I don't remember that one to be honest.
0: Yeah, I mean
4: we were, unlike we the season before, we, we, we had we, a lot we, of injuries
2: we, at the start of that season. Um,
4: We've we all beaten for ages as well, though.
2: We went we went on a 20, massively long 26th game, I think it was. Or something
4: like that,
3: wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Wasn't it? 18 it was games? 18. It was, it was in all competitions, then then we played Tranmere. And then uh, Tran, Tranmere cheated the way to, to a victory. Oh, no, it was oh, in it the man. league. It was a Barnsley
4: game when we T- got beat at home 3 2, and Ashley Ward was playing for Barnsley. I think we got someone sent off. That was the season after. Oh, wasn't sorry, that? I've jumped into the no, no, was, north no, right, no, not you, no, no. I was going to say it was three two at home against Burnley Bar- yeah. in that season. Yeah, it's the it's the opposite. So, that we
3: moved on to the next season. Then?
4: Yeah, the Yeah, I was going to say like, well, are we in time at this? point I thought we were
3: still talking about the season before.
4: No, no we were
0: good. talking about pre-season. Also, it's, it's a shambles. This it's like someone's admin. Ignore everything. Ignore everything I've just said.
3: Like. So from the beginning, like, start again. Like, unlike the season before, cool. unlike the season before,
0: when we started slowly, I mean, we're off to a fly. We beat Trabia five 0 Watford four one. Yep. We beat Oxford um, seven nil. We go top. We go top in end of, at the end of October and stay there all season. But you, of course, missed a big chunk of the season, Kevin, because you you got injured right before that seven 0 Oxford game.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, Reedy always tells that whenever we're doing a gig together and he said that's the only time that I didn't listen to Kevin. Uh, sorry, I did listen to Kevin. He's um, When I said he didn't want to play me in the game, he wanted me to rest and I said, no, I don't want to rest. Um, I want to play, you know, because I felt I could score a goal. I wanted to score a goal. I think it was Chester, was it? Chester, no, I, Chester. Yeah, Chester.
0: Chester, I, I Chester did, home, you did score a great goal, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then, then I go in for, it wasn't, it wasn't a nasty challenge, it was near the, yeah, it's actually right near the dugout on the, on the touchline, this lad's caught me and, you know, just, I just felt some pain in my toe and, you know, I didn't think it was much at the time, but it turned out, of course, to be an injury that kept me out, I think, for near on three months, so, uh, you know, really being really, I told, you know, it wasn't like, how are you, son, and he's like, in in so many different words, as you to imagine, yeah. uh, I told you you shouldn't have played. <laughs> um, it was, yeah, it was unfortunate. But you're right, you know. I, them three months was was terrible. I, I was I hated watching, watching the lads win seven nil, you know, with me not being a bar, Because naturally, I just felt I would have got at least three or four that day easily. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> so yeah, but the, the lads that came in DGO and I think Bridgie came in as well at the time. You know, they did they did fantastically well, and it, you know, I couldn't wait to get back. And of course, when I did, you know, the first game back away at QPR, I managed to get a good goal, and I was off and running again.
0: Yeah, you were know, never worried about getting back on the team, were you? Even though these lads were scoring in your absence. I
1: think, you know, you always, yeah, you always, yeah, of course, you know, you, I wouldn't say I'm worried, but you always, I, I, I love competition, because that spurs you on. Um, you know, part of you wants, you know, of course, 99% of you want them to do well, but there's always that 1% where you don't want them to do well, because you don't want them to take your place, but you know, Reedy just kept on telling me, listen, when you're fit, you're back in, don't worry. And I remember when I was back training, I I wasn't far away from playing, and and I I was ultimately assuming that I was going to play in a reserve game. And Reedy was like, you're not playing in any reserve game, you're going straight back in the first team. I'm like, what, not even half an hour or 45 minutes, he went, no. He said, if you're fit, you're you're playing for the first team. And, you know, he told me a week before that I was going to be playing away at QPR, so it was... um, I was a bit nervous, but
2: you know, once I got on that pitch, it was, you know, it all came back to me. Pretty great. It's, it's pretty remarkable, really, that the four forwards that season all got into double figures. I mean, yeah. that, pro- that probably doesn't happen that often. Maybe because firstly, it's it's harder to score goals. Secondly, if someone's scoring double <coughs> figures, they're not going to be they're not going to be dropped or replaced that often. So, the yeah. fact that obviously Quinny had a, I think Quinny had a problem for a period of time. Obviously, you were out for three months, and then Dechow and, uh, and and Bridges filled the sort of gaps. But it shows how just we were relentless. Like it, it was great. You'd go yeah. at the weekend, and it would be like how many? Yeah. Again, how many you were getting? And we used to just batter everybody. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was the, that, best, the best time to to, to go and support someone. Yeah. It was just it, we were just relentless. It was fantastic. I think it was a lot of be- of fun.
1: The big thing was, is, you know, that I'm not saying, you know, goal scoring is the hardest part of the game, putting the ball in the back of the net. But when you, when I was, you know, not just me, but Michael, you know, Bridgie and DCR and, and Quinny, when you're getting the service mm-hmm. that, that we were getting at that time from Johnston, you know, Mickey down the right, Chrissy Macon down the right with, with Summerby and, and Alex Rayle, Baldy, you know, in the middle, it, it, at times it was hard. Not to miss, we created so many opportunities, and uh, you know, hence why you know that virtually all of us got in. Well, I think we all got into double Yeah, things, I, you know, I, still, I still managed to get twenty-five gold, and you know, and that was missing three months. So you know, that you have to give a lot of credit to to
0: the players in the team for creating the opportunities. The game before that QPR be game, um, we beat Crew two 0 and Dickyo and Bridges both scored in that game. And then a QBR, yourself and Nile up front. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> the, that was that
4: first short for
2: Ruthless. It's <laughs> <That's> ruthless. <laughs> That's football. It is, isn't well, it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that was the when when both Kevin and uh Niall were out. I think that was the when um Michael Bridges ended um Steve Bruce's career. That was like the famous was United. Was Sheffield game. United. Yeah. Sheffield United, yeah. Where he and he he scored I mean it's no surprise that he got near twenty goals in the Premier League the following season because I mean how unlucky is it look how lucky we'll have to two players of that level and scoring those goals and yourself and, and Quinny and and then obviously Michael Bridges. And then he leaves and that's how good he was. I mean it it is quite incredible really that we had three top class Premier League strikers but in the second division of English football yeah. at the time it, it's i mean it can't now it just wouldn't happen i mean it, it,
4: it'd be snapped up in seconds wouldn't
2: right. it it just wouldn't happen i mean yeah. you couldn't you couldn't satisfy them like did it, you, get, it, it you get coming, yeah. did,
4: did
0: you, you ever get on here yeah. you was there interest at this time for
1: you yeah i think there was there was yeah there was interest building um but you know i i actually i was having such a great time enjoying my life that i never took no in, you know i never took no no interest in it, never took no, you know, it was a load of nonsense to me. I was, my agent, yeah, he would inform me, but I just, I, you know, I didn't want to pursue anything. I was happy where I was, you know, I wanted to help Sunderland get to the Premier League and I was desperate to do that and I wanted to play in the Premier League with Sunderland. So, yeah, you know, in them first four seasons, I could, have, I could have quite easily left the football club if I wanted to, but I didn't. You know, I was happy to stay uh, and, you know, I wanted to stay there forever, to be honest, but unfortunately, football doesn't you know, doesn't happen like that very much. And uh, you know, but yeah, there was interest, quite a
0: bit. When did the uh, the call from Kevin Keegan come? Or was it Kevin Keegan who called you about about going to play for England?
1: No, it was. Um, I think you know, seen that second season, it was a second season. Yeah, uh, mm. I, you know, Of course, when I was when I was flying, and we were flying as a side you start to get rumours, just like you know, potential other clubs being interested, but then, you know, there became bits in the paper, rumours that potential England call up, and I remember being at the Charlie Hurley Centre when the England squad was due to be announced, and, and really just said to me, I was leaving the training ground one day, and he just pulled me in and he just said, listen, I was actually going down to the seafront to do a, a big or a, a magazine shoot for Deodoro, who's my sponsor at the time. And he just said, listen, keep your phone on. And I was like, why? He said, because I, I think you're going to get some good news this afternoon. So I was thinking, surely it can't be. Anyway, I said, yeah, of course. Anyway, I'm down on the beach doing, having a chat with this lad with, with the camera rolling. My phone rings, and, and the guy's filming me. I said, listen, I'm going to have to take this. This is Peter Reed. So he said, "Yeah, of course, take it." So really rings me, and he just went, "Congratulations, lad!" He said, "You've been called up for England," and I was, I, just, I couldn't believe it, you know, because so much had happened to me in such a short space of time. To get that call from the Gaffer to say that Kevin Keegan had rung him and said you've been picked in the England squad, you and Mickey Gray, was just the pinnacle, really. And I just, I was, I was, I was lost for words. But
2: uh, well, I couldn't wait to tell my family, and it, yeah, it was a, it was a surreal moment, absolute surreal moment. Again, like to, to get that for you, and Mickey to get the call up in, in, in the second division. You know. oh. Bit of a delay there, Stephen. I was just saying, it was pretty remarkable that it was, uh, you know, again, second yeah. division, two players well, in the it, second division. Yeah. Yeah, it's never division. been, yeah. So yeah, they, it never
1: been done before. before. You know, me and Mickey no, me and Mickey were the first ones to ever be called up to England squad from, you know, the second division then, and it's you know it was a great achievement for Mickey and myself, and you know for me to actually start out in Hungary, you know when we got out there was just amazing. Um, you know we've seen it obviously a lot more since players from from Champions League get to the England squad, but yeah, for two of us from the same team. Yeah. And getting
2: picked from an ex-Newcastle manager was um, was quite nice. <laughs> I remember on um, Sky Sports News, they did a feature after the Hungary game. Um, and it was all the load of people at Baldock Town watching watching you make your England debut. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: you know, it, it is amazing, you know, like obviously you play non-league football, you know, to, to go there. To, 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 to come up to, to play for England for a team, you know, being called up from a team in the second division is, I mean, it is, yeah. it is phenomenal, really.
1: Well, it was only literally, you know, I've been at Sunderland a year and a half then, probably a year and a, year and a three quarters, two and a, two and a half years before that Sunderland, Sunderland. So it was really only four and a half, five years before me, England, David, I was playing non-league. So, you know, a lot, a lot had happened in that short space of time. So... It, it, it took a while for it to sink in, but w- would I say it was well deserved? Yeah, I, I think it was. You know, I think the brave call from Kevin Keegan to, to pick two players out the out the second division at that time. But I think you know when you analyse it, you know I think it was a uh, it was well you know yeah. a good call from 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 him at that
2: time. Well, so over the years you look at it where obviously yourself, and probably all you you and Steve Ball really you look at it like players who've scored. Just prolifically you can't be ignored, can you? One, if you're scoring with a regularity that you were scoring, you you just especially now where it's you know, yeah. if it happened now, you you probably would get called up as well because it's just a constant you know, the constant news that you get about players on you know, wow. in the mainstream media, media. Well I
1: was unfortunately I was ignored in Euro two thousand
4: yeah. coming <laughs> off the back of
1: 30 goals. <laughs> in the yeah, league yeah, league
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was shocking.
0: Europe. <laughs> Absolutely shocking. That was. Yeah, I, so I was in, and yeah. then we get knocked out in
1: the group stages. So that not not saying that I'm still bitter about it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: I
0: think we're all still bitter about in <laughs> yeah. yeah. What what were the England players like with you, Kevin? Because you you you've obviously it's a big step up side of for Sunderland, and I, and I mean that with respect to Watford, but you know, who, who were the second of English football, so, you know, it's not like you know, a tiny club or anything, but the big new stadium, the, the expectation of the fans, the amount of fans, and you get used to all that. I remember you reading in your booklet, you said it took you a while to build up the coach to speak to Niall Quinn, and then you're settled and you're scoring, and then you've got to do it all again because you are walking into the England dressing room. I was, I was,
1: yeah, me and Mickey were, were so nervous. I remember driving down, we, we showed a car down to, to St. Albans Software House, and we get there. We check in. We're nervous. I'm naturally very, very nervous. But I'd had the experience of being in that similar situation, going to as you rightly say from Watford to Sunderland, mixing with you know top class players. You know, me and Mickey made sure that we wasn't late for dinner that first night. We, I think we got down there about half an hour before everyone else, uh, just to make sure we weren't late. But um, you know, yeah, naturally. Listen, you got to remember, I was in, I was, I was in awe of. A lot of those players, you know, I've gone from, you know, watching them on TV, to now I'm actually going to be having dinner with them on the first night. So I was was in awe of, you know, the Man United players, the Arsenal players. Tony Adams, you know, when he walks through the door, you know Tony Adams is in the room. Um, You know, even when Shearer walks through the door, you know he's in the room. You know, they're they're big characters. Uh, So, very nervous, but they they were great. You know, they made us feel very welcome. And, and I would have to say Kevin Keegan was fantastic. You know, he, he made us feel so settled, made us feel part of the squad, and he made us inter, inter, interact with the players in terms of if we had a race night, which Kevin Keegan used to put on, he would make sure that me and Mickey were involved, we weren't left out. Dinner time, he would make sure that we were, you know, mixing with the players. We weren't sitting on our own, on our own table. So he,
0: he was very, very good at the time. I mean, the, the best thing about this, podcast era that we live in is i've heard so many podcasts recently about about kevin keegan as a manager Ray parlour's got some blinding stories about about those things you mentioned but what he did say was the training on the keegan was just zero tactics center forwards <laughs> drills after drills after drills all about scoring goals i loved it you know, yeah, you know man. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> loved it
1: It was so after every training session you know, we do finishing and, you know, I, I remember doing a couple of finishing sessions at Wembley. You know, obviously I played there in the player final, but I just thought I'm doing finishing session in an empty Wembley stadium after training. It doesn't get much better than this. And Kevin Keegan feeding you the balls and telling you how, it was, you know, what to do and this and that. It was just, it was amazing. Yeah, it was, you're right. Not a lot of tactics. We had Arthur Cox and Derek Fisakoli there at the time. We did, we did a lot of that. But Kev, Kevin Keegan just wanted to be finishing
4: drill, So for, for me as a striker, it was it was incredible. What was it like in terms of like Reid's sort of tactical approach by comparison? Because I guess him moving made a greater left back in some ways is responsible for him getting England caps. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, no, good shout. Um, yeah, I think you know that was a tactical
1: masterstroke from Reedy really doing that. It, let's not forget, you know, Bobby Bobby Saxon played a huge part. In a lot of the tactics um, at the club. You know, we didn't do an awful lot of tactics. I think back then, you know, as we didn't do an awful lot of tactics because it was a 4-4-2. Four, four, every, every player grew up in that system. You know, we knew it was just about getting the right players to fit the positions. And, you know, we managed to build a team or really did that that just suited that style. And so there wasn't a lot of tactics, it was more he, um, just drills, really. You know, possessions, mm-hmm. drills, and a lot of finishing, crossing, and finishing. Because obviously we had Big Nile. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say Reedy doesn't know his tactics. He does, but he was more of a, mm-hmm. a man motivator, talking to you, getting the best out of you, which was one of his
4: strengths. Yeah, I always thought like that left hand side, like having Johnston cutting in with his right foot, was a bit. Whether it was by Hugo by Crouse, was quite innovative because now everyone likes that inverted winger thing and they've got names for it like inverted wingers. but before that it yeah. was you know it was Ryan Giggs on the left wing or whatever wasn't it, it was an outside left it wasn't someone cutting in like that and creating yeah. space for a back overlap then and I just I thought, think, like credit him, you know
1: yeah no definitely and you know also you know fullbacks back then were you know it was that old saying you know they get a nosebleed if they go over the halfway yeah. line you know you saw Gary Neville doing it for me you know you get to the halfway line and put the brakes on and, and let the people in front do, do the job. But Reedy really just gave the lads licence to to go forward. Um, you know. And if Mickey was bombing on and John o tucked in, you always had you know one of the midfielders that would cover that, you know, cover that area if it broke down. And we had the energy to do that with Alex Ray, Ballie, or Clarky, if, if you know whoever it was. So yeah, I think you know that was a master show putting putting Mickey Gray in that way.
0: You you come back after those games for England and there's only two games left of the season. Uh, We win them both, of course we do, because it's that season. uh, 105 points. You've you've broken Brian Clough's goal-scoring record somewhere in the previous year. We've smashed the league, 105 points, which was a record at the time, um, lifting the trophy when we beat Birmingham 2-1, and you've played for England. and That's that's a whirlwind couple of years for you, that, Kevin. (laughs) You could say
1: that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you know when I when I went on holiday that summer, you know, I, it was totally different to two summers before because nobody recognised me. That you know after two seasons at Sunderland and, and doing what you just said, you know it was amazing. You go, you know I think we went to the Caribbean and people were recognising us, you know on the beach in in the Caribbean and it was just, you know it 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 was just surreal. Um, but. You know, when I sat and analysed and thought about the two seasons I've just had, well, of course I couldn't wait for the Premier League to start. You know, I was so buzzing, waiting for the fixtures to come out, who, when we're going to play Newcastle, you know, etc., etc. But, you know, the one thing that disappointed me sitting in that beach that summer was, and it still does, you know, missing those three months of that second season because I, I firmly believe that, you know, although I think it's 60 goals I've scored in my first two seasons. If I hadn't missed those three months, I, I, I firmly believe I would have got close to 40 goals that season without a shadow of a doubt. And um, so, yeah, bizarrely enough, that still annoys me a little bit. But, yeah, two, two amazing seasons and some of the football we played, like you said, in the second season, we just steamrolled teams. Teams would beat them before they even turned up at the stadium. Alive. They just knew they couldn't beat us. And uh, Unfortunately, you know we haven't seen that at the stadium have we? For, for
0: a long, long time. So, let's <laughs> <laughs> hope that, did, that you know the good times are not too far away. Did Did you yeah. get out in the tunnel before before the games came in? In the tunnel, were you? Would Did you look at the opposition and think, "You're you're done there"? Yeah, yet? yeah. <laughs> especially,
1: especially when that music come on, you know the hairs on the back of your neck stood up, and you could see the fear in some of the away you know players' faces, just thinking. We're not winning here today, and and, and, and I've had it as a play. You know, even when we're at Sunderland, we go to Old Trafford. You kind of think, you hope you get something, but realistically, we're not going to get much change here today. And uh, I can see it. So yeah, we we beat a lot of teams before they even you know kicked a ball. Uh, but that that's credit to the supporters with the, the atmosphere, but just the players, the performances they put in week in and week out.
2: I remember Graham Taylor was the manager of Watford. I remember we played, we might play at Watford, it was really early, maybe August, it, September. It was second game, wasn't and it? We, and we went, no, I mean, in the, um, I'm talking uh, about in the, in the 98, 99 when we got promoted. Okay. And um, Graham, we, we, then we went, uh, yeah, we went 1 0 down. Um, and then I think where uh, we said we won 4 1, but we, we turned around really quickly and, I remember after the game and this was even in August I think. it must have been August he, he came out and Graham Taylor said these are win the league he just said straight he was just going like these are, these are the best team in the league they'll win the league yeah I remember no, that no. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you know he was and this is a guy who's managed you know I know obviously the documentary about Graham Taylor was uh, you know made him look a certain way and obviously got panned by the press but you know he was a great manager and you know he he's coming out and saying those things um and it, it was it was it was just party time for a year like you just went to the game and you it was like i say you're going to win three four and you know who's going to score it, it was just it was just great there's some good teams I mean, just yeah,
1: I had so many people, yeah, so yeah, many yeah, people right. saying to me over the years now that season I won them so much
3: money from being <laughs> the first <laughs> goal scorer. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> was it, Kevin? Was it this season that you had the uh, challenge with uh, to be like top scorer of the division? It was you against I think it was Lee Hughes at West Brom. What was it? The season before, uh, yeah. um, and it was the first. Uh, uh, the highest scorer would win, win like a car or something ridiculous think, like that. I think there was a
1: bit of yeah, there was a bit of rivalry. Now, I think it, John Ficklin challenged me, the chief executive at the time. If he said, if you score so many goals, I'll buy you a car. But um, and, and I and I smashed it, and he was gutted. But he, to be <laughs> fair, he, he lived up to it. We gave the money to charity. But um, he, yeah, no, Lee, is, I think there was a bit of rivalry between me and Lee mm. and. I remember scoring against West Brom, and I don't even remember I did his dance when the arms were coming up like that. And I think the yeah, press, yeah, I think yeah. the press picked up on it a little bit. Um, so yeah, there was a bit of rivalry between me and, Guzzi and uh but I don't. I, no, we never had a challenge between ourselves. It was more the media um, sticking their oar in, to be
0: honest. I met Musi me, was that summer in, in Magaluf. Actually, he knocked about with for a few days. He was. He's nuts same he, age, he? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he, he likes drink. Yeah. You through, as we all know as we all know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: well great to tell what a good job we did win the car yeah. Oh. Wow.
0: yeah are <laughs> I mean, we're going to we're, we're going we're, we're gonna, to you know wrap it up and and save the premier league talk uh, for another time kevin but i mean you just mentioned uh whirlwind of a, co- a couple of years and how confident were you going into that season before getting on to what happened in, in in the premier league what were you how confident were you um Going into that summer thinking, yeah, you know, we, we are better than average here because it was a record points total as well. Let's not forget at the time.
1: Yeah, I think we were, again, I think the same as when, you know, we, we reported back for, you know, that season when we got promoted. Reedy, you know, certainly didn't let us get carried away. He weren't letting anyone get, as us, us as players, we knew it was going to be tough. But I think we had that. I think the team, again, the team spirit. Got us through a lot of the games, the togetherness, of course, coupled with the quality, but we were an unknown quantity. I think, you know, with the style of play we played that, you know, that season, we thought would would uh, surprise a few teams. Most of the Premier League teams haven't played against the combination of me and Niall, so that took a few by surprise. So we were confident. I think on a personal level, I, you know, I've always been confident I'll score goals. It's just the biggest thing in, in the Premier League is you're playing against against a better class of player can we create the same opportunities that I was getting you know, the previous two seasons and that was my only reservation but I think once the season started we clearly clearly knew that we were as good as many of the teams in the Premier League and, and we showed it that season so yeah that summer was a great summer because I was so excited to get going and to play against the Mags was you know amazing because you know when I first moved there people were talking about the Derby before, you know, we'd even got to the Premier League, which I found very strange. And um, so I got to know pretty quick how important that game was and, you know, to play a part in it was amazing. So, yeah, I think we were fairly confident that we'd be OK, but, you know, after that mauling in the first game, that that, that pretty much quickly <laughs> changed. So, you know, yeah. not
4: going to... Well, we'll we move on to that be, in another podcast. Yeah, we will No, no. We, yeah,
1: the Watford game... To be fair,
4: like... You played those League Cup games as well. I mean, we were pretty close to going back to Wembley and as a second-tier club, mm. and I know we didn't. We won on penalties against Everton, but, we were, you know, that was a good Leicester team that we, we just narrowly got knocked out against as well. So I think, you know, that, that, yeah. that team had shown what it was capable of, to be fair. Right. Yeah, that,
1: that was probably the item where we thought, you know, we can change. I think, that, you know, the away performance, you know, down there was, you know, we were unlucky.
2: Case uh, of of course, yeah, the
1: two Cotty goals that the stadium were like killed us a little bit, but um, yeah, I think we we were we were fairly confident that you know we could mix it with the big boys.
0: Well, we will delve into that on another one, and we hope you've enjoyed the season review. We've obviously done a, a few now, and we 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 will um, get around to doing those next two seasons to start the the Premier League because the maybe not spoke about as much and as fondly as the ones we've just mentioned there um, but there were two good seasons as well so um, thanks to Kevin for joining us and, and speaking to us um, about those times and hopefully we'll be back to chat um, about the following two seasons as I've just said so thanks to all my guests mainly Kevin not bothered about it was really and thanks <laughs> that's fair to be honest yeah, yeah. just being honest, yeah. being honest and thanks for listening everybody <laughs>